it's a real joy to be able to come and join with you again on this uh, particular occasion. I appreciate it's been some time since I've been able to visit you by reason of the video. But when Pastor invited me to come on this occasion to share, I was very happy to be able to quickly say yes to his invitation. Uh, today, he's asked me to to speak into the theme that you're covering at this particular time in the book of John. And I've been assigned the passage in John chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. But before I come to speak to that passage a little, I, I just want to step back into the verses prior to this, just to set a platform, maybe for some of my comments today. In the verses before this, we see the occasion where Jesus had had his meeting with the woman at the well. And there'd been that dialogue between the two of them as to who he was and what he intended to be and provide for those that would respond to him. At the beginning of the event, we see Jesus being left at the well by his disciples. They'd gone off to, to get some food and refreshments, and Jesus had been wearied, the Bible says, and we find in verses 6 of chapter 4, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That would make it around about midday, or we would call it lunchtime. His disciples, as I said, had gone off to buy food. In verse 8, it says that his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. So Jesus as far as the disciples were concerned, who had been left alone. But however, we know he wasn't alone for very shortly. The, the woman appeared uh, into the scene and he dialogued with her and had a wonderful encounter with her. And the last two verses of the, the chapter or the passage prior to the ones I'll be sharing today are verses 29 and 30. 29, it says... Come and see the man. This is the woman reporting to the people in the town. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So while the woman was away telling her town people, the disciples returned. And when the disciples returned to where Jesus was, he began to have an engagement with them. And this is where I want to pick up the story today. When the disciples are coming back, they've been off to get their food and refreshments. The woman had been and gone, and now they were coming back themselves. When the disciples left Jesus, there was no mention of the woman being there. It would be my understanding if the woman had been there, the disciples may not have left Jesus alone with a woman because that would have been considered uh, inappropriate. So when we start in our verse today, in verse 31, we're basically starting with a, a whole clean sheet, as it were, or a whole clean page. In other words, there's a separation of what had already just happened and what was about to happen. So let me read from John chapter 4, verses 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. You know, in the opening four verses, you know, we see this, well, I, I call it somewhat humorous dialogue between disciples and Jesus. In verse 31, here are the disciples coming back and, and they're saying, Rabbi, have something to eat. In other words, the disciples were not engaged in a spiritual observation. They were engaged in a physical observation. They were considering the physical needs of Jesus. And they said, Jesus, have something to eat. When Jesus replied to them, he doesn't reply from that same perspective. He replies from another perspective. He says to them, I have food to eat that you have nothing or know nothing about. In other words, he was saying, you're talking of me eating some food to satisfy my body. But he said, I want you to be aware that I'm feeling satisfied because there is something that I've done or been involved in that is satisfying to me in a way that food can't be. Then the disciples seeing Jesus or hearing Jesus speak like this, again, they respond from their own point of view. The disciples said, could someone have brought him food? In other words, when Jesus was talking about feeling satisfied, they implied or they thought he was implying that he'd had opportunity to eat food of some kind. That's the natural kind of food. But you and I both know that he wasn't talking about natural food. He was speaking about spiritual food. So, But they were thinking that he'd been given food by somebody. Somebody had turned up there passing by and offered him some food and he'd refreshed himself. But Jesus said this in verse 34, it is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. My food is this, said the Lord. In other words, he was telling the people listening that there was something he was satisfied with that surpassed the satisfaction of food. You know, in this brief dialogue between Jesus and his disciples, we can see that the issue that uh, was had come to the surface was how we perceive something or how we see something. The disciples saw a need of a physical kind and Jesus was seeing a need of a spiritual kind. The disciples had been occupied with natural hunger and thirst. Jesus had been involved with spiritual food and drink. See, I can speak from my own experience. You know, when we're engaged in the work of the Lord, there's something that happens that surpasses the physical needs of our life. There have been occasions, even in my own life and ministry, where I've been engaged in ministry, and sometimes this has been for a prolonged period of time, maybe literally hours at times, 
and I've had people express to me or say to me, well, Pastor Alec, aren't you hungry or aren't you thirsty? And I can truly report to you today that in those times where I'm engaged in ministry, to me, it seems that food has, no, I have no interest in food as such. And time seems to be without relevance to me. My, I think the longest time I've been engaged in ministry, uh, in one particular occasion, I was in, in America many years ago, and I was in a service, and uh, the service started, and it was nine hours before the service finished. And, and for much of that time, I was engaged in some aspect of ministry, either preaching or ministering in the prophetic. But I wasn't aware of the time, and I wasn't aware of feeling tired. Over the years, of course, I've had to learn to uh, keep drinking some water to just to lubricate, as it were, my voice, because, uh, you know, it's like that's something I do, do miss if I don't have it. But as far as just drinking for the sake of drinking, it's not a necessity to, as far as I'm concerned. So when Jesus was making his report to the disciples, he was talking of something that I have a measure of understanding about. So Jesus wasn't focusing on natural things. He was focusing on spiritual things. You know, this is a wonderful thing that we, when we consider it in the light of the Word of God, you know, to us, sometimes food is important. And sometimes even in church, it's, it, I'm mindful that I, I, I'm aware of people switching off. I use that term. And uh, they're more thinking about lunch than the sermon that I'm preaching. I hope that's not the case today. But, but this has been the case with some people. They, they go to church and, and uh, you know, they lose interest in what's happening and they begin to focus on the meal to follow, maybe their lunch or the afternoon tea or whatever it is going to be. But Jesus wants us to keep our right attention, right focus. And he was bringing this to the disciples' attention and and when he goes into the rest of the, this passage, this is what he begins to deal with. He begins to speak to them about where their focus is and, and the reason why. And Jesus' motivation is something we need to consider. I think of John chapter 15, verse 13. It says in my scriptures, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. When I read that, we know there's a sacrificialness to that particular declaration. But there's also the sense of putting the needs of others before yourself. And that's something I believe that God is wanting to bring back to the attention of the church and the people in the church today. Yes, it's great that we can come and fellowship and it's great that we can celebrate the goodness and the love of God. But we need to understand it should never be at the expense of those that have never heard about Christ in the first place. You know, we need to have an understanding that Sometimes there will be a need to put the needs of others before ourselves, And this is what it, Jesus lays his foundation upon. In other words, Jesus wasn't occupied with his own needs. He was occupied with the needs of the woman at the well. It was from this position that Jesus begins to talk to his disciples. And that's what makes the next passage or part of this passage so important and so relevant, even as it was to me. See, in verse 35, it, he begins with this uh, words. He says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe to harvest. You know, this can be one of the dangers of the church today. And, you know, we can often relegate things that we would like to happen to the future. You know, one day this may happen or one day this could happen. And so we're living in the moment of the time that we're in. But we relegate things that should be happening into the future. I'm going to do it tomorrow or I'm going to do it next week. 
And this is what Jesus is saying. You know, you're, you're good at saying when the harvest will come because they they'd obviously measured the harvest by when it was seed was planted and the things that had happened in between. And it was like, well, it's not the time for harvest. That harvest time is coming in four months' time. But Jesus stops them and says, that's according to the naturalness of things. But God has another plan and another purpose. See, our timing before God is something that we've got to be mindful about. See, God's timing for something may be far different to yours and mine. You know, I, I know that we've gone through this matter of COVID over this last 12 months. And I've known of people that have taken this time and basically, I use the word, have stepped back a little and said, um, it's not time for doing certain things. And they've chosen to remove themselves from certain actions and certain activities. I want to tell you, as far as the things of God is concerned, COVID doesn't mean to say anything has to stop. In some degrees, there's a greater opportunity for us to be doing things at this time than there was even before COVID. And we need to make good use of this particular time. See, one of the dangers of the church is a word that we don't often speak about, but it's irrelevant, is the word procrastination. The word procrastinate means to speak about doing something, but never doing it. There are times, and I have to admit it freely, that my wife challenged me. She said, oh, Alec, you're a procrastinator. See, I'd said to her, I, I, I would do a certain thing that would maybe even benefit us as a family. And, uh, you know, I had every intention of doing it. That was the truth. I had every intention of doing it. But I allowed other things to creep in and put the importance of doing that thing to the side. Somebody once said this to me, we must never let, you know, the, the urgent push out the important. And that's what's often happening in our lives. The urgent, the pressing thing of today is pushing away the important that was of yesterday. And we've got to be mindful to adapt ourselves and do ourselves correctly. See, it's easy to say one day we'll do such and such and such and such. Or the church will do this one day. But it's today is the day that we're being asked to give an account for. There's a few verses in the Bible that has spoken to my heart in days gone by about this particular subject. And I want to bring these to your attention today just for consideration. The first one I bring is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 16. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, we we have information in my country that crime is now on the increase again. There was a period of time at the beginning of COVID where crime was somewhat moderated to some degree. Not removed, but moderated. But because of COVID and the longevity of it, people have, have gone back into the normality and starting even go beyond it. In other words, evil is on the increase. So if evil is on the increase, then the opposite should be true. The good that we can do should be on the increase too. So it says, redeem the time. Another verse is in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom to the, towards them that are without redeeming the time. Again, we see that key in the passage here. It says, walk in wisdom towards them that are without. You know, we can be so caught up in ministering to one another within the church, we fail to minister to those outside of the church. Yes, it's good to minister to one another inside the church. And I appreciate the way people look out for me. Or I appreciate the fact that I can look after others from time to time. But we must not let that become the sole focus of our lives. There's people without 
that don't know about Christ, that need to hear about Christ. And you and I have been put on this earth to be carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. See, the word redeem is an interesting word and one that we need to take note of. You know, the word redeem has this connotation attached to it. It means to buy back for oneself or for one's use, to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity. You know, I've come to discover that God doesn't worry about location or situation to use me. You know, at the very beginning of my spiritual journey and even ministering in the prophetic, much of what I did, or nearly all of the which I did, happened within the context of a church or a church service. But as time has gone by, I've discovered that God wants to use me outside of the church. And so I can be in a coffee bar or I can be in a queue or I can be uh, in, in a a public situation where God will prompt my heart to go and speak to somebody and present to them a word from the Lord. And I'm learning to, to respond to that. And, you know, in the past I would have, you know, I said, oh, this is not the right time and the right place. But I'm coming to discover God doesn't have a right time and a right place as far as the naturalness of life is concerned. His timing is perfect. And, and I'm learning to respond to his prompting. And I suggest that if it's true of me, it also should be true of you. See, when Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, his motivation was making the best use of his time. He could have sat there and said, well, I'm tired. This woman's come on the scene and she's got something she's doing. I'll leave her alone and I won't engage with her because she's busy getting water for herself and for those that she cares for. And I'm tired and I, I need to sit here and rest and relax. And I, I'm here with a legitimate reason. I'm waiting for my disciples. But rather than letting that time pass by, he engaged in this conversation. And we know the outcome was a wonderful outcome as far as he was concerned, but also as far as the woman was concerned. Then we go to the next two verses in our reading, verses 36 and 37. It says, even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. To me, this is a, a beautiful picture of what I call spiritual cooperation, working together to see the task completed. You know, often we, we dis discount ourselves from a situation because we're there by ourselves maybe and, and we think, oh, can I really make a difference by myself? And the truth is you can because what we forget often is that before that person is in front of you, they may have been in front of somebody else and they've said something or done something, and you're simply adding to what's already been done. You know, I know in my own life, this is the truth of my own experience. My wife was a Christian before me. Her mother was also a Christian. And I know that those two sowed into my life over many years, you know, by reason of prayer or by comment or by invitations to go to church. But they weren't the ones that led me to the Lord. One Sunday night, I was in a small little church with my family and the pastor of the church gave an invitation. I went forward and I received the Lord. Yes, I acknowledged the fact he was the one that led me to the Lord, but he didn't do it alone. I was standing there as a result of the words and prayers of other people over a long period of time. And probably that's the reality of your experience as well. You know, we are not doing this work alone. There are others involved with us, either visually or behind the scenes. At the very least, there could be people praying for the same people that you're praying for. 
And so when you speak to them, you're not, your, your prayers are being added to the prayers of others or to the words of others. And this is what Jesus is bringing. He says, one sows and another reaps. See, the kingdom we're building is not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. And I, I say respectfully, it's not about you and I getting brownie points, as it were, or having a, a score book. You know, I don't keep the score. God keeps the score. The, the people's names are written in his book of life, not mine. And this is what it's all about. You know, when people start saying, oh, I've done this and I've done this, I start to feel a little bit unsettled in my heart. Yes, there is a personal sense of your involvement, but it's not about ownership. It's about serving. And this is what Jesus was trying to bring. One sows and one reaps. Even today, as I present this message, this is just one of the mediums that God is using today to influence the lives of people. But I know behind the scenes, there are a lot of other people involved in this whole production. There are those that are editing this particular thing, and there are those that are responsible for the lighting, and there are those responsible for the sound. See, even though I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm have glad for the opportunity, I know I'm a part of a team, and I suggest that you've got a need and realize that you're a part of a team. See, we're often put off doing things because we think we don't have the resources to finish it. The truth is this, if you do your part, then God can take care of the rest if there's needs to be more done. You know, I've, I've had the joy of leading people to the Lord, but I know what I did was simply the end of the process. Others were involved before me. See, coming to the Lord is a beautiful experience, and this is what, what this engaging with Jesus was all about. This, he didn't... He engaged with this woman to bring her an understanding that there was a God that loved her and cared for her and uh, that she could receive and respond to that particular uh, invitation just like you and I could. See, I believe the Lord is preparing hearts even in this time. You know, often, and, and I heard it during the war years and the Second World War, that many people came to know Christ as Lord and Saviour. Because of the circumstances that were affecting the world at the time, people's hearts were softened to the truth of God. And I would even suggest that during this time of COVID, there are people that are more open to God now than they've ever been. And you and I need to take hold of the moments and opportunities we're given to speak to these people. We don't have to go round and push ourselves upon people. But I believe if we've got hearts that are sensitive to God, we will know and understand and we will be able to say what needs to be said in a way that's meaningful to the person that we're speaking to. It may not be the wholeness of what they need to hear, but it'll be something that will add to the story that is worthwhile for them. See in John chapter 4, verse six, chapter 6, verse 44, listen to what my Bible says. No one can come to the Father unless I, I draw him. I will raise him up in the last days. You know, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up in the last days. You know, there's a drawing that God is doing upon the hearts of people. You know, I, I have regular prayer times for people that I love and care for. Some of these people I've been praying for for several years, or more than a few years, in fact. But I know, I just simply pray, God, you draw their hearts towards yourself. And if I'm the one to speak, then God, give me the words to speak. But if somebody else is the one to speak, God, I'm so thankful that you've got others that will speak as well. See, this story that we're reading about today is covering all these things in a very real and a tangible way. I truly believe that if there was ever a time for, for the church to be effective, it's in these days. 
See, when this woman life was impacted, she, she didn't just go away and say, thank you, Jesus, and, and head away and do nothing more. Listen to what it says in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What had happened when this woman left Jesus, she went into her town, the place that she was familiar with, and she began to talk to people. And it seems, from what I read, it seems her testimony was heard by many. And he, she said this to the people, he told me everything I ever did. You know, this, these people would have known this woman. They would have known her track record. They would have known that she'd had all these husbands that, that were being referred to. They would have known the kind of life that she'd lived. But here she was standing testifying that she'd met someone who talked about her life, but not with words of judgment, but with words of love. And on the basis of that, she went back and she shared her experience with those around about her. Listen to what it says in verses 40 to 42. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two more days. And because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know, when I read that, I thought, wow, this is the power of testimony. And I would suggest that all of us have a testimony. We all have a story to tell. You know, this woman wasn't an evangelist. This woman wasn't declared to be a prophet or a pastor even. She was simply a woman who had a message of a good news that she wanted to share with people that she cared for. And when she shared it, it had an impact upon those that listened and heard her. You know, it says this was sufficient to get these people responsive. And they, on the basis of her testimony, they came out to see this man that she talked about. And when they came out, you know, of course, the disciples had obviously returned by then. And they, she found, they, they found Jesus standing where she said he was at the well. And then these people said, don't, don't leave us, please stay with us. And on the basis of that invitation, Jesus was invited to spend two days in the town or he spent two days in the town talking to them and fellowshipping with them. See, because of one opportunity taken wisely, it opened the door to many other opportunities. And often that's the case. Oh, you know, I've heard stories of a member of a family getting saved, a member. And then within the space of weeks or months, other members of the family come to know the Lord. See, we don't, of we don't often think about what's behind the one that we're talking to. We only see them as, oh, it's just one person, so it doesn't really matter. We don't realize that that one person can represent many, many more. And I truly believe that's what God wants to do in this day. I, I have awareness within my heart that we're going to see a, a breaking out of the things of God like we've never seen it before. Yes, I can read my history and I can read of revivals in the past, but there's a coming, a, a revival, I believe, that will supersede anything that's ever been spoken of in the past. But all it's going to take is a willingness of someone, and it could be you and it could be me, to share our story. And that could touch one life, and that could be multiplied to many, many more. You know, may we not, may we not be those that draw back our hearts, but may we be those that are willing to be challenged. See, she had a story that was worth sharing.
and I'd suggest that you have a story worth sharing too. Your story is different to my story. And so there'll be people that you will talk to and share your story that will listen and it will mean something to them. And there'll be other people that I'll share my story with and it'll mean something to them. You have to talk to your person and I have to talk to mine. But neither of us are excused. We all have a responsibility. So this is where the whole principle of one sows and one waters. See, I believe one of the greatest forms of evangelism was already sitting in the church. See, we used to think, let's bring in an evangelist and it'll change the life of the church. I understand they did a survey some years ago and they found that less than 3% of people come to the church because of evangelism. In other words, yes, it's not wrong to have an evangelist if that's what the pastor or the leaders feel to have. By all means do it, but don't, don't expect it to build your church. They say that between 75 and 80% of the people come to your church through personal relationship, family or friends. In other words, the greatest tool for evangelism is already sitting in our churches. That's the people like you and me, the mums and the dads, the sons and the daughters, the brothers and the sisters. See, in the story, it wasn't a special place that Jesus chose to speak to the woman. It was a woman at a well, you know, a well of refreshing. And that's what happens when you and I share our story. It can become a well of refreshing for another person. See, we're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about him. The good news today is still the good news. There's a God that loves each and every one of us. He died for us. He sent his son. And you and I have just celebrated Easter in recent weeks. That Easter still has a, an impact upon the world today. See, the Great Commission says this in my Bible. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature or all creation. In other words, there's not anyone that we should not see as an opportunity to share the good news with. Yes, we must do it with wisdom and we must do it with grace. You know, sometimes when I've tried to speak to people, they, they're not willing to listen to me and I have to accept that. And there may not be people, there may be people that may not listen to you and you may need to accept it as well. But keep on praying for them anyway. I remember one classic occasion many years ago when I was in Bible school, we had an exercise one day where all our students were sent out into the public arena of the city and we were going out by two by two to share about Jesus. And I was walking around with another student and I remember coming to a bus stop on one occasion and there was a person sitting at the bus stop. I went up and made an approach to them and I just introduced myself. Look, I said, I'm a student from the local Bible school and we're just out here talking to people about the Bible and the things of God. And the person sitting on the table or the desk, I should say, said to me, I don't want to listen. I don't want to talk to you, anyone. And so I excused myself and I said, okay, I appreciate that. And I walked away. I went around the corner and talked to some other people with the student I was with. And, you know, I had a successful kind of engagement. But when we walked back around the corner, here was another two students from the Bible school sitting beside the same person on the seat, engaged in a meaningful conversation. See, this person wasn't willing to talk to me or listen to me, but they were willing to listen to somebody else. See, you and I, we don't choose the people that we need to speak to. God chooses them for us. And all we're going to say, well, God, I'm willing to be used of you. See, when he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, that's the commission of God. 
You know, it's something that God says he requires of each one of us. See, Jesus understood his mission and he did all he could to see it completed. You and I need to understand that we have a mission also. Our mission is to share the good news. Just like Jesus was saying to the disciples, look unto the harvest for it already white unto harvest right now. Yes, there's a harvest being prepared and I truly accept that there is. But let's not forget to reap that which is available even right now. Yeah, there's, there's fruit on the tree, as it were, ready to be picked. And all we've got to do is take time to recognize it and see it for what it is. See, let's not wait for something to happen. Let's believe that what's happening is meant to be happening even now. I believe that we could make it a goal, each one of us, to say, God, put somebody across my path even tomorrow that I can share my testimony and my story with. You know, when we begin to think about it and begin to pray like that, I believe God creates the opportunity for it to become a reality. Today, I'd like to leave you with the thoughts of this passage to consider again. Jesus was not angry with his disciples, but he just wanted to refocus them away from the natural needs to the spiritual needs. Is there natural needs in the world today? Yes, there is. And because of COVID, those needs have been multiplied many, many times in some situations. But amongst it all, the spiritual need is still there and it's just as great as it ever was. And you and I need to address ourselves to the spiritual needs of our nation and our world. I want to say thank you for allowing me to come and join you in sharing from John. May God bless you. May God anoint you. May God watch over you and lead you. Can I pray for you as we close? Dear Lord, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. I appreciate, Lord, there's more in this passage than I've been able to release. But I pray, Lord, that which I've said shall find ears that are receptive and hearts that are receptive, that we will choose to rise up and become the kind of people that you intended us to be. We ask your enabling and your anointing to touch our lives, that we'll walk in your provision and walk in your protection, that we'll overcome our timidity and our fear, and we'll begin to have a confidence that we will put our trust in you to have. Lord Jesus, today I pray over each and every one that's under the sound of this word today. I pray for the authority of Christ to be established in each life, that we will become ministers of the gospel as we're intended to be. Lord, may we see the harvest as you see it, ready to be picked. And may we occupy ourselves with doing what you've asked us to do. I thank you for this day. Bless every home and every family. In Jesus' name, amen.